Have you ever had a bad idea? A, a bad idea that you didn't know was a bad idea until you told somebody else your idea and they laughed at you and told you how bad your idea was? Have you ever had an idea that you thought, I, I really think there's some possibility in that idea, some potential innovation in that idea, some great success behind that idea, but I'm afraid to tell anybody my idea because I'm afraid it's a bad idea and some people are going to laugh at my idea. Well, I think everybody has experienced that at least once in their leadership life. The question is, what do you do with a bad idea? What do you do with an idea before you know if it's a bad idea or not? That's what I want to talk about today on Leading Leaders. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I personally have had some bad ideas. I've had some just straight up dumb ideas. I, in fact, here's one. I was in the Air Force. I was about 22, 23 years old, and there was a kid off base. His father was another firefighter, and I was off duty one day while his dad was on duty, and he and I were just hanging out together. And he had this really cool, super high-speed remote control, motorized remote control car. I mean, it had, it sounded like a little chainsaw coming at you. It was fast, it was loud, it was really cool. But he was doing donuts with it in the parking lot, and it got too much traction, and it sheared off one of the gears. And we couldn't find the other gears. He used to keep a whole box of them. We would just, you know, take one out, put another one in. We couldn't find a gear. So instead, we decided to fix it. So we took it apart, and we broke out the super glue. And it took me several minutes to get all the pieces back in the right place. And then we just slathered the whole setup with super glue. Now, I don't know how much you know about physics and movement of things, but if one gear is rotating this way and the other gear is rotating this way, fed by that gear, and you super glue them together, they may not fall off, but they also won't turn. So the first time we cranked up the motor and put the little thing in gear and wing, all the gears inside went flying everywhere like so much confetti. We didn't do any more damage than was already done because it already needed a full gear replacement, but we certainly didn't get to play with the toy anymore. And that super gluing the gears was my idea. Not real smart. But the person that I was collaborating with was five or six years younger than me, and he didn't know any better. So my bad idea led the day to greater destruction than we had to start with. So let me ask you this question. What do you do with an idea to determine if it is a bad idea? What do you do with an idea to see if there's something like Laffy Taffy in the idea that you can stretch and expand and grow and make that idea even better? Well, John Maxwell says, if you've got an idea as a leader, you need to take that idea out for a walk. Like you would put the dog on a leash and walk the dog around the neighborhood. Everybody gets to see your dog. Everybody gets to pet your dog. Everybody gets to decide and help you decide, is this dog worth keeping? Now, if you've already got the dog and you can't really just give it away, that's a whole nother ball of wax. But usually, the minute you take your dog out in the neighborhood, that's when you find out, is it friendly? Is it sociable? Does it love other people? How does it act with other dogs? John Maxwell says you you got to do the same thing with your idea. You got to take your idea out in the public, the people around you, and kind of let your idea be seen by other people. Let it socialize. See how other people react to your idea. Is it friendly? Is it offensive? Does it drive people batty? 
Do people look at your idea, hear your idea, kind of poke around on your idea and go, yeah, that's nuts. That No, don't do that. Or do they look at it and go, yeah, that's a really good idea. In fact, I think if you took that idea and added this. Now see, taking your idea out for a walk, like you would take your dog out for a walk, that requires the bravery, the risk of ridicule. You ever met somebody with an ugly dog? I mean, with a, a truly ugly dog. I don't just mean a bad haircut dog. I mean, a dog like you're like, whoa, are you sure that's a dog? If you've ever met somebody with a, with a dog like that, then you probably met somebody with an idea like that. Where your only response is, you can't be serious. I mean, you're, you're really thinking about doing that? Why would you do that? There are some really bad ideas that other people very quickly will let you know that that's a really, really bad idea. Don't go anywhere near that. In fact, stop thinking about it. And then there's some ideas that honestly, you may take them out there in public and people look at them and go, yeah, I don't get it. I, maybe if you, or what if we, or I think it should have. And so suddenly you're getting feedback. All right, now here's where you got to be cautious. There's a power to a genuine mastermind. I spent the last couple of days in a mastermind. There are just eight of us there. And in this mastermind, we had some deep conversations and we had some ideas bantered about and we had some evidences that were brought up by people's past experience to say, okay, well, I like your idea, but, or I think you're onto something, you might wanna try this as well. But see, the power of a genuine mastermind is completely different than taking your idea out for a walk. See, when you take your idea out for a walk, you're exposing your idea and all the risk is yours. All the risk is yours. Nobody has any vested interest in whether or not your idea survives. They may ridicule you just because they want to be mean. They may tell you you have an ugly dog or a bad idea just because it makes them feel better. But in a mastermind environment where you've got people who have a, a vested interest in your success, Maybe not because they care about your success, but because they know that if they're invested in you, then you're also invested in them. It's a mutual agreement, even if unspoken, that I'm not going to give you bad advice because I don't want you to give me bad advice. I'm not going to encourage you to do something that will lead to your demise because I don't want you to encourage me to do something that will lead to my demise. I'm not going to give you fluffy answers when a real transformation could take place. I'm going to give you the kind of ideas that I think are going to make your idea better. I'm going to expand on your idea. I'm going to stretch your idea. I'm going to share some insights that maybe I've had that you haven't had yet. Some experience that maybe I've had that you haven't had yet. Not to say that I'm smarter than you or have more wisdom than you or that you have more experience than me in every field in life, but You've probably done things I haven't tried yet. Well, one of the things that came up on a regular basis in our mastermind meeting was, what about this relationship between a CRM and good, solid customer service plus commerce? How do you, how do you kind of put all that together? And, and is there, whether it's an app or an online program or a site that you can use or a software that you can download or a program that you can hire someone to run for you, that allows you to create and sell and follow up on and contact your customers of and create new uh, online information products, as an example. Well, in a mastermind, you don't just hear, okay, well, that was a, that was a dumb idea. No, that's not what you hear. What you hear is, well, 
I tried this one and I found this to be good and this to be good and that to be bad. And somebody else says, well, I tried this other one and it had the same problems, but it actually had a good feature here. And well, I tried this one over here. And out of eight people, there were probably four or five different online CRM e-commerce systems that now we can all kick the tires on and get a little better at. But there's also a couple of them that are highly recommended by several people. Well, that's usually a pretty good place to start. If your peers, if the people that you spend time with are already using an app and it's working for them and they figured out the inside tricks and the bugs, that's probably a good place to go. Because at least you know, even if you can't get customer service on the phone fast enough, at least you know if you run into an issue, you can phone a friend. You've got a, you've got a last call that you can at least make and go, hey, what about this? How can I fix this? Or what should I do here? And the learning curve is addressed in the fact that you have friends who've already done the learning curve. You don't have to learn it all new on your own. See, that's the power of a genuine mastermind. It's a little different than a brainstorm session. A brainstorm session where everybody just kind of starts with a clean slate and everybody throws their ideas like so many spaghetti noodles against the wall to see what sticks and what doesn't. It's different than taking your idea out for a walk where you're open to all criticism good, bad, or otherwise, productive or otherwise, and you just let people vent their opinion. Now, a mastermind is a different thing than that. A mastermind is not a book club. A mastermind is not one person lecturing. A mastermind is shared ideas among all people, and at some point, you focus on everybody in the room to have that conversation. Now, Jack Canfield's book, uh, Success Principles, which came out in 2007, I believe it was, maybe it was later than that, <clears throat> sometime around that, Jack Canfield's Success Principles book, in the back of it, actually has an entire course for a mastermind and tells you how to set one up and tells you how to do it. So if you're not a part of a mastermind, if you're not paying to be led in a mastermind by someone who has more experience in the industry that you're in, then take the time to dig into something like Jack Canfield's Success Principles. Now, if you really want to learn about the mastermind idea, I believe the first person who expressed the idea of mastermind was either James Allen or it was uh, Think and Grow Rich Napoleon Hill. And when he talks about the mastermind, he talks about this mind that is, it's beyond what any of us individually can consume or contain. It's a, a level of wisdom and knowledge that kind of sits above the average human thought. But the idea pierces that mastermind when several people poke at the idea and everybody kind of puts their input into it. And suddenly it's like there's a revelation that didn't exist before. Nobody's ever really thought of it. But this comparison, this contrast, this reflection of so many people together focused on one problem generates a revelatory answer an aha moment that the group has together. We had a couple of those over this last couple of days where people all went, that's brilliant. And the person who came up with it said, well, I've never thought of that before. I've never thought like that before. That idea would have never been in my mind had it not been for what everybody else in the room said. That is a genuine mastermind. That's what Napoleon Hill is talking about, this mind outside of us, these thoughts that we may have never expressed before, but when we put them in juxtaposition to everybody else in the room, we have new ideas, new thoughts, a new mind. That's the mastermind. Now, if you're a leader and you're running a business, you're leading a team and you have a plethora of ideas that some of them you think to yourself, that's a really dumb idea. I, I, I don't know if that's gonna work or not. 
obviously you have the right and in some places are encouraged just to dismiss that idea, to do away with it. Here's what I would say. Remember both Jack Canfield and neuroscientist Caroline Leaf talk about the existence of a new thought. That new thought in Caroline Leaf's world appears on an MRI as a little pink fluffy ball. It lasts about 35 to 40 seconds. And if you meditate on that thought, if you take that new idea and you run with it, so to speak, it either becomes a grand new idea and every new thought path becomes a, a new set of dendrites. You can watch them all on the MRI. And a good healthy thought begins to look like a big green tree with lots of leaves and new new birth of ideas springing from it. It's all looking like more life, more life, more life, more life. A bad idea, on the other hand, if you meditate on that, a negative toxic thought, it will spring from that little pink fluffy ball, but it will begin to look like a dead tree and every branch will have nothing on it and everyone will be generating negative toxicity in your body. That's not a good place to be. Jack Hanfield says the 37 second genius means that this environment that you're in right now, the juxtaposition of other people's thoughts, the, the biomechanical place that you're sitting, the temperature, whether you're hot or you're cold, how you feel, how you feel emotionally, what you had for lunch, all of those things weigh into the birth of a new idea. And when that new idea comes, whether it's what somebody in the room just said, or you're sitting all on your own, that new idea, just like the little pink fluffy ball, lasts between 35 and 40 seconds. Now, both Jack Canfield and the neurologist, Dr. Caroline Leaf, will tell you, within about 35 to 40 seconds, if you pay no attention to that little pink fluffy ball, if you pay no attention to that new idea, poof, it's gone. You can watch it on the MRI and Dr. Leaf's teaching. You'll see the little pink fluffy ball grow up, and if you don't think on it at all, and the little trees don't come out, good or bad, then eventually it just goes away, 35 to 40 seconds. Jack Canfield calls it the 37 seconds of genius. Now here's what you gotta do with that. Write it down, put it on paper, put it in your journal, put it on your phone, put it somewhere, but write it down. Because the odds that you'll ever come across this exact same environment again, the same kind of people speaking, the same kind of ideas, comparing the same kind of notes, <clears throat> with the same biomechanical feedback that your body's giving you at the moment, the odds that you'll be there again, almost zero. So when that 37 seconds of genius comes up, write it down. You may never see it again. The value of the mastermind is the ability to take those little 37 seconds of genius and lay them aside a handful of other people who are experiencing the same thing, who are in a thinking place. John Maxwell talks in his book about thinking. He says, you know, have a thinking space, a chair, a comfy chair, if you will, a place where nothing happens in that chair but thinking. It's not for napping, it's not for reading, it's not for sleeping, it's for thinking. And when you're in that chair, all you're doing is thinking, writing down your thoughts and thinking, thinking some more about the thoughts you just wrote down and thinking. If you've got a list like that and you take that to a mastermind, you're gonna spur new thoughts in other people. That's what a mastermind is for. It's different than brainstorming, different than taking your idea out for a walk. It's the collaboration of the mental ability of a handful of people who are all working to solve the same problem together. And at some point, the problem they're solving is yours. Is your idea a good idea or a bad idea? What tactics do you need to add to your plan to make that idea work? What strategies did you employ to be successful in this new venture? 
What venture should you abandon and which one should you put more time, money, and effort into? Those are the kind of questions that should be answered in a mastermind. And no, your executive team isn't always your best mastermind. Your, your leadership team, the people who manage with you and for you, not always your best mastermind. Sometimes they're people in different industries who have different ideas, who think about the same things, but they think about them differently. That's a good mastermind. Intelligent, intellectual people who are willing to invest their time and emotion in your success. That's a good mastermind. If you're not in one, get in one. Send me a private message. I'll connect you with a couple or who knows, maybe we'll just start one. But get in a mastermind if you're a leader because some of the problems you're trying to solve are an ugly dog. They're, they're bad ideas and they can't be fixed. But some of them are genius, not yet recognized. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast for Tell It Like It Is TV. Have a blessed day.